He who was the eternal Son of God, co-equal with the Father, was manifest in the flesh. A true humanity, a true deity, united in one person that he'd be our days man and reconcile sinners to God. Good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Today, we're broadcasting a message that was preached at our time around the Lord's table on the first Sunday of December of this year. The communion feast is a vital part of our church life. It is a command of the Word of God that God's people are to remember Christ in the manner that he has appointed. It's a time for us to consider our sin. For we are conscious that all of us have sinned and none of us perfectly obey the law of God. And so when we come around the table, we examine ourselves and we remember that we are, we are not what we ought to be. We're not naturally right with God. But at the same time, we rejoice in the truth that God sent his son into the world to save sinners. His name was Jesus, for he came to save his people from their sins. And so at the table, we remember our sin, but we also we remember our saviour. It is an opportunity to remember him. The command indeed is that we would would do this in remembrance of Christ. And so on the occasion of the first Sunday of December, I took the opportunity to encourage the people to reflect anew upon the importance of the Incarnation. At this time of the year, as we mark the, the Christmas season, there is much in the way of sin in the world. Tragically, this season has been marked by immorality, by drunkenness, by discontentment, by deception. So many things that are practiced in the world that are are not according to the will of God and not honoring to God. And so at this time, it's important that God's people ensure that they reflect upon the glories of the gospel. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And so I trust that today's message will be of benefit to you to encourage you to think of God's love for the world and sending Christ into this world. Christ is offered to us as a gift to be received. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so perhaps you listen today and you be conscious that you, you need Christ and may you find Christ in the Word. Well, please turn in the Word of God to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Um, we'll read from the verse number 1. I'm going to read the first four verses of 1 John chapter 1. Thus says the Word of God, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which you have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it, 
and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which is with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Amen. May God indeed bless his word. Ordinarily, I don't plan too far ahead regarding these communion addresses. I find over the years it's helpful if the Lord speaks to me during the week that I can then come and share that same word with you. That's not always the case, but usually that is my practice when it comes to these communion meditations. And this week I was reading in 1 John and I was greatly struck by the words in verse number 3. Where Paul says, that which you have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And of course it is the the concept of fellowship that immediately comes to our minds. We call this ordinance the Lord's Supper. Or sometimes we refer to it as the communion feast. It's a feast that is marking fellowship. I said already in my address this morning that fellowship is amongst ourselves, as the family of God's people. We, we must do all we can by God's grace to remind ourselves that we do not partake alone. We fellowship together, and John is here saying that they would have fellowship with us. There is this horizontal fellowship. But he makes the point immediately that the fellowship of the saints is a fellowship that rests in the gospel. It's a fellowship that is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John, of course, who who wrote John 17, reminds us that eternal life is knowing God and Jesus Christ. And that fellowship that is, in turn, mediated by the Spirit of God. It's a triune fellowship. And so fellowship is the, the blessing of ours that God is pleased to meet with us. We are an impoverished people if we forget the blessing of fellowship with God. If we don't consider day by day that through Christ we are able to speak to a God who hears us and we have a God who speaks to us and is pleased to minister to us through his word. It is the blessing of communion and fellowship and communication also. But this week I've also been conscious that today is the, it's the first Lord's Day of December. And December comes around every year, ordinarily that's the case. And we, we delight as, the, again, we can think about God's goodness over the past year. But it's also a month that is dominated by the consideration of what others would call and some would call in the world, in the church, the Christmas season. Once you hit December, your minds immediately go towards uh, that time of year. Marked again in the world and in the church. But of course, in the Christian church, uh, there are a number of differing opinions regarding the, the marking of this season. There are some who choose to treat December 25 just like any other day of the year. And for them, they, they choose not to mark the, the Christmas season in the church calendar. I said last year, I I remind you all again, that there is no explicit command in the word of God to celebrate and remember 
the Christmas season as is celebrated in our culture. That is not a command in the word of God. Therefore, to choose not to celebrate is not a sin. To sin, you must violate command. And if there is no command, then it is not any sin not to mark December 25 as a special day. Those of us who do choose to mark the feast and do so with gladness, we must also guard our hearts that we make sure that we do not mark the season by engaging in sin. And there is much sin that would tempt us at this time of year. But there's one thing that I think we should all remember, whatever our perspective views may be on this particular season, and that is the vital importance of the Incarnation. However we choose to, to view the day, we should, we should never neglect the importance of the Incarnation. And there is, there is a command in the Scriptures that implies a remembrance of the Incarnation. And that command is found in the command that's written on the front of that table, hidden by the cloth at the present time, and that is the command that this do in remembrance of me. And there are some who incorrectly interpret that command as simply a command to remember Christ's death. But that is not the language of the command. It is a command to remember Christ. And in the context, it's remembering Christ who had a body broken and blood shed. And thus the remembrance of Christ that we engage in the table is a remembrance of Christ incarnate. Not simply his death, but the whole Christ who came from glory into this earth that he would save sinners unto himself. And so it is clear that there is a command in the word of God. Not to remember Christmas as it's called, but there's a command in the word of God that we remember Christ. And the incarnate Christ. And so back to First John. I want to show you again that this fellowship that we enjoy. Is a fellowship that is said to be through the word. Look what's said in verse number one. That which was from the beginning. Which we have heard. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon. And our hands have handled. Of the word of life. Now what you see immediately is. When you read verse number one. You see this reference to the word of life. And you immediately remember, oh, wait a minute, who wrote 1 John? Oh, John the Apostle wrote 1 John. The same man who wrote the Gospel of John. And who in John's Gospel begins with noting the beginning. And let me read to you the words of, of John 17. And you'll be familiar with these words. Let me remind you of them again. John, 7, or John 1, sorry. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And you'll see there in verse 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And so John who begins first John with the beginning. And the word. And life. And light. Use exactly the same terms when he comes to write his first chapter of his epistle. The word. The beginning. Life and light. And you'll see in verse number 2. Life was manifest and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And so John without any explanation uses three separate terms for Christ. He refers to Christ as the word of life. As simply the life 
manifest in verse 2, and then eternal life, verse 2, and the latter section. All of those things, the word was manifested, life manifested, eternal life manifested. And of course we understand, Jesus himself in John 14 refers himself as the life. And it's through the word and through the life and eternal life that we then have this fellowship. Verse number 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto that ye also may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying to you is, very simply, that the word of life is in view here, is the means whereby we come to a fellowship with God. In simple terms, we fellowship with God through Christ Jesus. He himself is the one who mediates our fellowship. He secures our fellowship through his life and through his death, so that we fellowship with the Father and in turn with the Son himself. Who brings that fellowship to pass? So I thought we'd spend some time just meditating upon these words uh, for a season as we come around the table. Note that the word was manifested. The term is used twice in verse number 2. It speaks of something being shown, revealed. Something that is already, but something that is shown. John uses various terms in verse number 1. That which we have heard. There's audible communication. That which we have looked upon. There was a physicality that could be identified and seen. And our hands have handled. Now, prior, prior to the incarnation, there were pre-incarnate appearances of Christ. Where Christ came in the Old Testament and was seen and was heard. But John's adding to that with the sense that our hands have handled. He's emphasizing the physicality of the word of life being manifested. These things are uniquely true of the word incarnate. The word that was made flesh, heard, seen, especially handled. He's emphasizing the physicality of the manifest word. That was crucial in John's time. Turn over to chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And the verse number 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they have God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. There's a danger of false teaching in the early church. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. The error that was a stake in the early church, as John writes, is the error that denied the true humanity of Christ. Oh yes, the deity was also under attack. But uniquely at this time, there was an attack upon the humanity of Christ. And the false teachers held the view that Jesus simply appeared to be a man. The Greeks had no trouble with believing that God would come down and appear in, in the world. But, but, not, but not really take on true humanity. And so they denied that he came in the flesh. And so John's, John's defending that as he opens the word. He said, we have heard, we have seen, and we've handled. 
This is a, a true man, the word that was manifested. But in the second place, the word was glorified. The word was glorified. Now, I'm not referring to what happened to the word after he dies upon the cross and is ascended into glory. I'm using the term in light of what is said in verse number 2. That eternal life which was with the Father. It's the past tense reference that the word that was manifested did not begin at that time, but pre-existed the manifestation, was at that time with the Father. Now, I'm not dividing the Trinity. That's the indivisible union of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost that are, that are not divisible. I'm not denying John chapter 1, where it describes Christ as being in the bosom of the Father, even though the Word has been made flesh. I'm using the term in light of what is said in John chapter 17. Where in John 17, Christ says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So the glory that Christ knows after his death is a glory that he had before his incarnation. And so we can say that in light of 1 John 1, the word was in the past glorified. And what I want you to think about just as we come around the table is you remind yourselves that as you take bread that speaks of a body and blood, or cup that speaks of blood, you remind yourselves that the word of God voluntarily left glory to come into a sin-cursed world that he would die for our sins. Never lose the wonder that he who thought not robbery to meet with God made himself of no reputation. He takes the form of a servant and he comes and humbles himself by taking our humanity as he comes in incarnate form. He is manifested in the Gospels as he was glorified in heaven before being manifested in the Gospels. But in the third place, we see the word was declared. The word was manifested, the word was glorified, and the word was declared. Verse number three. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. Speaks of the truth of Christ incarnate being preached and proclaimed. The eyewitnesses, they bore a faithful witness. And the express purpose of that gospel declaration was so that they would have fellowship horizontally and vertically. Where we started this morning. The fellowship, verse number three, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye may have fellowship with us and with God. The purpose of gospel preaching is that sinners would have fellowship with God. The blessing that's received, that sinners are saved. We have no voice for God, no voice to speak to God until Christ comes into the world. And through his death on the cross, there is then the potential for a fellowship. The barrier removed. The barrier that keeps us from communion with God is our sin. And Christ is manifest in the world, comes from glory. 
manifest in the world, declared so that sinners would see that that barrier can be gone in Christ Jesus. And those of you who had no right to fellowship, the sin is gone and now you can fellowship with God. That truth is preached in the world. And so as we come around the table again this morning, as we think about our, our fellowship, I want, to, I want to mention three words of, of application. It is, it is our right, it is our duty to delight in the truth of Christ's incarnation at all times. Not just, not just in December, but at all times. That it is right and proper for God's people to sing and to praise God for the truth of the incarnation. That it's right and proper at all times. But no less in December to praise God for sending his son into the world. And for Christ voluntarily leaving glory, taking incarnate form to be our redeemer. And the tenor of the word of God is that when Christ comes into the world in his birth. There is praise and worship. That's what Luke's gospel is all about in the early chapters. The songs marking the incarnation of Christ. It's there for the church. It is right and proper at all times of the year. And as I said at the beginning, when we come to remember him at the table, we remember Christ in his totality. Not just the crucifixion. And so I encourage you, when you come to take the elements today... Do so remembering Christ, including the truth of 1 John chapter 1. He was manifested. We have seen and heard and handled the word of life that we have fellowship and rejoice. Rejoice in the condescension of Christ Jesus coming into this world. And so there is, there is the obligation to delight in the incarnation, a delight that does not terminate in the incarnation. And one of the great problems of this modern age in which we live, is that those who will gladly celebrate what they understand regarding Christmas, but their celebration terminates in the manger. They remember Christ only in terms of the manger. And they do not take that forward to think of Calvary. And to think of the fact that he came to die. To die for sin. The sin problem they have. And they, they conveniently forget that part. So as a Christian church, it is our duty to remember Christ in the fullness of his person. Who came as a babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. And he then found himself devoid of all clothing. Hanging in shame upon a cross. We should delight in the incarnation. We must also defend the truth of the incarnation. This is an opportunity this time of year. There are those who have just all manner of confusion. And as you think of the next few weeks, pray that God would give you every opportunity to defend the truth of God's word. He was manifest in the flesh. He who was the eternal Son of God, co-equal with the Father, was manifest in the flesh. A true humanity, a true deity, united in one person that he'd be our days man and reconcile sinners to God. You defend that truth this time of year. You also declare the incarnation to the world in all of their sin. There is corruption that abounds in the history of this season and in the present practice. It's full of all manner of corruption. 
But in the providence of God, there are people in this world who at this time will have an ear for the gospel in a way they will never have any other time of the year. And therefore, we as a church and as individuals have the opportunity to do what's said in verse number three. Seen here, declare we unto you that ye may also have fellowship with us. The necessity of declaring this glorious truth that Christ Jesus came into the world sinners to save. And what a truth it is. The opportunity to declare once more that in the incarnation God was coming into the world to reconcile sinners unto himself. So that sinners would come to fellowship with one another. And with God and the Son. And so may we Remember him this morning. May we rejoice in him this morning. Reflect upon him this morning. And recount the truth to sinners around. That Christ would indeed be all and in all. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.